Welcome to a brand new episode of Seize the Moment podcast. And today we have a very special guest on. Today we have on Nate Gowdy. He's a Seattle-based documentary photographer. And since 2015, he has photographed upwards of 300 political events and protests across 25 states and Washington, D.C. He was the lone credentialed photographer for Barack Obama and Joe Biden during their respective visits to Seattle. And in June 2016, his portrait of Bernie Sanders made the cover of Time magazine. And his photos have also appeared in Rolling Stone, Mother, jo Mother Jones, Dizite, Courier International, BuzzFeed News, The Stranger, and CNN. And his newest book, Photographing the Events of January 6th, is called Insurrection. Welcome, Nate. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks Absol for coming on, man. Absolutely, man. And so as we tend to do, we're going to start off with a quote from, Nate, from Nate's book. And so this one is from Officer Daniel Hodges from the forward of the book. Daniel Hodges wrote, On January 6, 2021, I was fighting back thousands of terrorists attempting to capture or kill members of Congress and the vice president and installed Donald Trump as a dictator. I mused to myself, well, if they fail, at least there will be no shortage of evidence. Nowadays, everyone owns a camera that would have been the envy of any photographer a scant few decades past. As the mob laid siege to the United States Capitol, they gleefully made use of theirs. Everyone who wasn't actively assaulting law enforcement or supporting supporting those who were had their smartphones out taking pictures of themselves the crowd and themselves in the crowd and uploading them to social media I actually scratch that the man who ripped my gas mask off my face and beat me in the head with my own baton while i was being crushed against the doors to the capitol managed to do both simultaneously he put his phone in his mouth so that he could both hands free he, so he had both hands free to assault me with the steady light from the led flash casting his twisted visage into sharp relief as he let loose as he let loose guttural yells. Wow, man. So, I mean, before we even just get into the day itself, which was, I mean, to say the least captivating, uh, insane, you know, kind of whatever adjective you kind of want to use to describe it. Uh, can you first tell us a little bit about your background? So who are you? How did you get into this? And how did you end up there? Yeah, thanks. Um, I, uh, I, you know, I got a camera 12 years ago. I got in with, uh, I'm from Indiana originally. And uh, I, uh, I fell in with I you know I got I went came to priest I came to Seattle because it it seemed cool um and you know kind of uh you know kind of see something you know new and exotic compared to Indiana at least and uh I found work as a preschool teacher and meanwhile in my new city I got I got obsessed with my uh my little point and shoot camera so here I am with in my hipster jeans uh with my keys in one pocket my wallet in another um and my uh my flip phone and and my my little point and shoot and i got obsessed with it and and people were like well nate you're 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 pretty obsessed and uh you're good you have you're, you got a good eye uh, you should learn how to use a real camera and so i in 2011 uh, uh christmas 2010 my folks got me a camera for christmas and i fell in with uh, seattle gay news and so here i am a straight guy from indiana uh, who suddenly found myself immersed in uh, drag and drag and uh, you know queer and trans culture mm. and nightlife and the scene and then just in time right before this was right before uh, uh, marriage equality came to Washington State the fight for marriage equality and so I was uh, I was I was the one in the room making these photos and and uh, just kind of ran with it and uh, you know and uh, so, but I've always been drawn to politics. And so I, uh, uh, in 2015, Bernie Sanders came to Seattle in August and I photographed that day and it, it didn't go as planned. He, uh, 
he was interrupted by uh, Black Lives Matter demonstrators, mm-hmm. and, and uh, it became national news. And here I was, and I photographed the scene. And and a few days, I, I blogged about it. And a few days later, Time Magazine editor uh, reached out. And here I, you know, I I had done photojournalism for Seattle Gay News, but no, never met national photojournalism, you know. And and a lot of my a lot of my coverage for Seattle Gay News was was uh, you know community coverage subsidized by them. You know, it was it was event photography more so. So a lot of people smiling for the camera, but also real candid, true moments. And mm-hmm. so. Um, Anyway, Time Magazine reached out and that kind of like, wow, okay, you know, and and so I, uh, it gave me the confidence to spend what little I had and to book trips to the early primary states, uh, New Hampshire and Iowa. And, and here I am uh, in Iowa, uh, you know, driving between cornfields and then hanging out with uh, uh, right wingers and I was having a ball and I found <laughs> out I really liked it. You know, was, something's wrong with me. And so basically, uh, you know, and here, so I kept doing it. And my dad's like, how are you, how are you paying for this? How are, you know, and I was like, you know, I, I have just enough and it's happening now. I thought that the whole MAGA thing was a blip. And I thought I had, I have to fo- photograph this, this weird, weird, uh, you know, these weird bubbles of toxic Americana before, uh, before it's gone, you know, because before we have our first uh, female president inaugurated, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I thought that would be the book, the 2016 uh election campaign and i so here i was sleeping in rental cars doing whatever i had to do to get by um and to get these photos and so and what drew me to it was also was this was campaign rallies are staged they're theatrical they're contained environments and um and so there's a safety in that there's also an expectation of having your photo taken you know, in these spaces. And mm-hmm. so that, cause I've never been the street photographer. I'm not, I'm not good at approaching people who, 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 you know, are just kind of do going along their lives on the street. You know, it's like, I'll see photos that I won't take, you know? And so I don't quite, you know, if I have to, I can, but basically they love the politics because you had these, uh, these, you know, these politicians and leaders who are followed so rapidly by their supporters um, and you get very real emotions you know, that you're documenting in these, in these contained environments. Well, then, uh, you know, we didn't get the inauguration of the first woman president and, mm-hmm. and, you know, here we are, uh, all the, the politics spilled out into the streets, anti-Trump protests, and then proud boy demonstrations and, and just across the full spectrum. And, and here I am in the streets, um, which I never intended this going that way. And, and it's just been years of that and, and, and they become violent. And so I've seen, you know, I've, I've been to 30 Trump rallies um, or wow. upwards of that now at, in time for January 6th, I've been to 30 Trump rallies and appearances and, and another 20 MAGA adjacent uh, uh, demonstrations. And so I've, I've seen my fair share of, of <laughs> you name it. And, and so um, I knew January 6th would be stupid. Uh, to mm-hmm. be frank, but I, I didn't know it would be, I didn't see it becoming deadly. 
Yeah, because so most of for you know for our audience, maybe some of them who kind of don't know about this. Uh, so most of these protests usually don't really go anywhere. It's maybe like a couple of hundred people. They're shouting a bunch of stuff. There's a bunch of disunity. There's not really much going on, and there's not really much of a goal, right? As there really wasn't on, on the six, obviously. So the thinking here is like, okay, you know, these people are going to show up. They're going to make a lot of noise, and then they're going to go home. So when you when you decided, okay, I'm going to photograph this. What was your thinking? Why did you think? Okay, first of all, what did you think would happen? And then second of all, why did you think it was a good idea to? do so yeah so i well here you know i thought this this project series started with with me thinking it was just going to be the 2016 presidential election and and here i am still following the story where is this going you know and i figured well i'll do what i set out to do and and the this this tomb of uh, you know the visual chronicle of these time this political era will end when uh, we have a new president inaugurated and here we were biden was going to be inaugurated in two weeks Mm-hmm. And I figured, you know, here's here's one last chance to photograph, uh, uh, the, you know, this MAGA, um, yeah, Trump, uh, you know, uh, before he's irrelevant, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And and I thought I thought it was his last stand, his supporters' last stand in support of him. And and so I I had missed, you know, and also I had missed Charlottesville. Um, and you know, the weird person I am, that was that was that was hard for me because that was a big part of the story. Mm -hmm. in this timeline and and the big plot point and i missed it because i hear i'd been in seattle area photographing a friend's beautiful wedding that day (laughs) and and when it happened all i all i could think of was geez i should have been there it should have been in charlottesville and so i think um i think i was happy to be there i think you know getting that part of the story closing out the story actually or rather and um and so i was yeah i was enthused to be there but but uh uh, it was the end of my story end of my, you know, that I had to share, I, I figured, and, and I didn't know it would be its own thing in itself, you know, of course. What was the, the progression like? Like, I imagine you show up to the event, you see a giant crowd of people, you think it's going to be this, you know, the, the usual sort of uh, MAGA get together or, uh, you know, Trump rally, essentially. But uh, when, when, you, when you start to see things kind of heat up, what, what was that like from your perspective, especially while uh, photographing the events there? Yeah. What were like the sparks? I would say that too. Like how, how did it sort of escalate? Yeah. Sure. So I, I actually never made it to the the crowd. I heard them in the distance at the ellipse, but I was, you know, here I'd come and been coming off a, uh, you know, a few days in Atlanta covering the historic Senate runoffs. Um, you know, the elect- that election had been on January 5th. And so then I, I flew into the DC metro area and and I got into my friends really late the night before and I was tired and so I was I was running a little late that morning and I heard the cheers of people in the in the in the distance but I was I just passed walking past the Capitol um and toward the uh, Washington Monument when when I you know I I ran into a, a you know a huge gang of of militiamen and and I didn't know if it was a mixture of you know Oath Keepers and Three Percenters and Proud Boys, but I, but immediately I I recognized the 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 front man um, with a bullhorn. Uh, he it was Ethan Nordine, who was a Seattle area Proud Boy I'd photographed numerous times, and so so I figured so here I am I'm thinking I've I've photographed these guys before, and I felt you know I felt a false sense of safety in that you know usually they they're they're aware very aware of optics and public uh you know uh reception and to them and so basically they're you're generally reluctant to you know to to attack members of the media with cameras mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and they're and they're they, they've always seemed to kind of in at least in my experience they've they kind of have like a weird the chismo code of conduct where they they um if you don't invade their personal space uh, uh they'll respect yours mm-hmm. and and so whereas they're they're re- you know they're a fight club and they and they love confrontation but a lot of times in my experience they weren't the ones physically initiating it they were trying to um they were trying to they were instigating it, you know, but they weren't, but they would bait the other person to kind of maybe initiate it. And so I felt, I felt safe and I stood my ground and here are hundreds of these, these militants uh, are marching around me and I'm right in the middle of them. Uh, If I'd have known where that day was going, I wouldn't have done that. And so actually, so I came upon them around 1035 or so ish. um, And that morning, and it only took, it took almost exactly 10 minutes for them to attack me. Um, one lunged at me and I, uh, and I, I backed up and put my arms up, you know, basically saying, Hey, I'm no threat, you know, and, and I, uh, Wait, no, I, no, j- just to be clear, was this a proud boy or something else? Yeah. These were all proud boys. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. And this was a proud boy. And so he was on the fringes of the mob and they attacked me. And then in the photos in the book, you can see the other ones kind of in the wings ready to pounce in case it escalated. And, um, you know, I, I announced myself as, you know, I'm, I'm Rolling Stone photojournalist. Um, and, you know, of course they, they come back with wise cracks and they're making, they're like, Oh, I'm with Rolling Stone and making fun of me and, and yelling Antifa and fake news. And, and, and then, you know, relaying my coordinates among the group, you know, like, um, you know, my relation, my position respective to them. You know, and they so they were very organized, and and this was a loose formation contingent, and uh, so yeah, right away I knew this day was going to be different because they've they've already attacked me, and so um, you know I kept my distance from there for a while until other uh, photojournalists were in tow. I was I was the first non-embedded documentarian with them that morning. Um, there was later I found out you know at the first January sixth uh, select committee hearing uh there's a british documentary documentary embedded with them and his team but i i i you know for all i knew those people with cameras were, were proud boys right. and so um they marched and they did some photo ops in front of the east front of the Capitol, and then they uh they did they did pre-war prayer they all kneeled and prayed on what they were about to do you know they asking for god's blessing uh that was scary and then they um and then they, uh, you know, took more photos at the East Front and marched to just afternoon. They arrived at a at a line of food stands uh, along Constitution Avenue and took a lunch break. And, you know, so here it's just afternoon. Yeah. I've been attacked once and I'm standing in line behind armed insurgents for hot dog. That's insane. It's, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Real Men with Jim Belushi and John Ritter. Uh, oh, so it's a com. So it's a cold. It's a okay. So it's a cold war comedy. So it, it's insane. So it's like uh, the Soviets are essentially attacking both John Ritter and Jim Belushi, right? And then all of a sudden everything stops, and John Ritter's character is like, "What happened?" And he's like, "Oh no, come on!" And Jim Belushi's like, "We can go." And he's like, "What? What? What happened to all the firing?" And he's like, "No, no, it's lunchtime." And he's like, "What?" <laughs> he's like, "You're telling me we're in a shootout and they're off to lunch?" And he's like, "Well, yeah, they gotta eat." So it's a comedy. It's literally a fucking comedy. That's insane. Yeah, no, I was I kind of like, I don't know where this day is going, but I but I'm going to get a hot dog, too, because I don't mm-hmm. know when, I'll, when it's going to end and when I'm going to get to eat. And 
and uh and so yeah they're you know they're men wearing ballistic helmets and and flak jackets and stuff uh all you know mingling around the food these food trucks and so they, that was you know more or less over under 40 minutes and then they then they get into formation again and faces harden and something's different and so uh you know follow them and they march and they're chanting and and meanwhile the energy is getting more and more palpable i mean they're it, this adrenaline adrenaline is off the charts mm-hmm. and um i'm i'm with the front men i'm near them and so they marched to the peace monument and that's where the insurrection started um basically it's at the northwest approach to the capitol grounds and and it's just like a it's just like a um, a uh, high school pep rally gone way wrong i mean it's just it's just battle cries uh surging adrenaline uh you know you're all crushed together um and now i watch the footage and it's like holy moly should have been more you know more fearful than i was Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when I watched the New York times documentary, Dave rage, mm-hmm. uh, I actually spot myself in the, in the, in the video in the footage standing right next to the first person to approach the, that barricade and who started it all. And then of course I went back and looked to see if I had any photos of this guy. And I didn't cause he was, mm-hmm. he was next to me as opposed to in front of my camera. And so, but, but I was basically right there with the leaders and, and so it happened, but I look, I look. I'm, I have the capital to my back and I look out and I just see a sea of people. All these other tr- Trumpsters have glommed onto this, uh, you know, it, uh, this, these militants leading them. And so it, I just couldn't believe how many people and, you know, Trump, this was 1250 after 1250. I mean, Trump didn't finish speaking until 115. So they've, they've all left early, the rally early and, and kind of following the militants. And so it happened so fast. It was, I mean, it's incredible how fast it happened, how fast it escalated. And uh, the, you know, the five police patrols who who were ill-equipped were swiftly overpowered. One woman was knocked out. One police officer was knocked out. Um, and and I'm I'm kind of uh, I'm distracted by all these people, uh, you know, old and young alike, uh, crossing these downed bike rack barriers. And um, and I'm I'm distracted by them because that's where they that's where they become you know they go from you know people exercising their First Amendment rights to to crossing a hard line and becoming insurrectionists. They're trespassing on uh, on the Capitol grounds uh, while democracy is happening inside. And so I well again I'm 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 attacked again. Uh, a man points at me. Uh, his face is concealed. And he, you know, declares F you and shoves me from a three foot balustrade at the basis of a set of stairs leading toward the Capitol building. And, and I was okay. I'm, I'm a good follower, but, but people, (laughs) other people were helping me up and, and like what apologizing for his actions. Cause I, you know, there, a lot of people are just normal, uh, as normal as they can be Trump supporters, um, you know, protesting and, and they did, they don't know what's happening either. You know, they're in just as much shock as I am. And so, uh, but they're following, they're, they're, they're going along with it. And so anyway, so that's when, uh, so this was a, this was around right before one o'clock, 1 p.m. And this is when it all started. And by now I'm no longer at the front of the pack uh, because I've been attacked and had to take my time to, uh, you know, to gather myself. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. This, this is going to sound like a really like stupid question, but it's just, it's on the forefront of my mind. It's, you must be, are you used to being in dangerous situations as a photojournalist? Because I would imagine, you know, you get attacked even once. It's like the, the, the feeling of even wanting to stay there, uh, it, it makes you want to, you know, kind of run away, run away. Right. And then you <laughs> see that this things are heating up even more. You don't know where, what, what's going to happen next, essentially, especially being after being attacked the second time. Sure. It's like, what's going on. Yeah. What motivated head? you to continue? Yeah. Well, you, you know, you kind of fall into survival mode. Um, you know, I've actually, I'm actually quite cautious. I've been to a lot of iffy kind of, uh, situations and, you know, and, and yet I'm never, I never right in the middle of the hand to hand combat and the, and between authorities and right wingers or left, you know, leftists. And I'm never, I'm always pretty kind of, uh, you know, I've never broken a bone in my life. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm a pretty cautious guy. And so, uh, you know, if I have to, I'll use a telephoto. And so this was, you know, I'd been attacked once before, um, um, but this was, this was, yeah, this was different, you know, cause as cautious as I am and, and the only thing othering me are my, you know, my cameras and my, my N95 mask. We have to remember this was the deadliest day of the pandemic up till that point. There was no vaccine. There were on January 6, 2021, there were 4,000 reported COVID related deaths in this country. And so that was happening. And so, but, but, you know, otherwise, other than my, uh, mask and cameras, I I'm a white dude. And mm -hmm. so, you know, and this 90% of this, 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 or more of, of these people were white. And so, and I'm wearing a, you know, a maroon hoodie and a tan Carhartt beanie. And so I kind of, I look a lot like them, like they do. And I, I'm from the Midwest. I can affect, you know, I can affect, I can affect, I can go into that mode a little bit, right. you know, or a lot of bit, you know, I, I, that's where I grew up. And so basically around these people. And so I, uh, uh, so I, I blend in a fair amount because, uh, you know, whereas a lot of my colleagues in the press were, were militarized and, and, you know, head to toe protective gear, they're wearing gas masks, goggles, even have their, you know, announced, you know, uh, badges announcing their press, which, which I would never do in this kind of crowd. That's just plain dangerous. And, uh, you know, cause they're, they've been taught by, by Brett, you know, they're, their dear leader that, 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 um, you know, journalists are the enemy of the people. And he said it over and over, over the years. And, um, so I, uh, uh, excuse me, I, uh, you know, so I, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I think I was, I don't, I don't remember feeling afraid. I remember, uh, I think, and now in retrospect, I feel like I was probably mixing, um, I felt excitement. And I think um, that I was there, that I wasn't missing it. And I think uh, I was, I was perhaps confusing excitement, or, you know, excitement and fear. You know, right. <laughs> I think I, I think it's easy to do. And I think that you know, I kind of you know, I, but you know, that said, I did. I turned my flash off, uh, so I was more discreet. And the majority of the images in the book were taken uh either with outstretched arms where i'm pointing my camera over here but looking over here pretending to still look be searching for photos because mm -hmm. i don't want them to see me making the photos because and and i'm also shooting from the hip a lot mm -hmm. you know and so yeah i'm trying to be as discreet as possible because they're watching me uh while you know some of them mistake me as you know one of one of them you know just another soldier for the cause 
um, uh, just as many are, are, aren't a hundred percent sure about me. And so, um, I'm being monitored closely and, and they're especially, uh, triggered by, uh, when, when, when photographers take pictures of, of them in vulnerable situations. So this was war. I mean, this was a conflict zone. Um, you're in a pat, you're in a, you're crushed between people. You can't move. It's really hard to navigate. You can't just like, Oh, I'm going to go over there. You know, it's like, you're just stuck between this, this, these mound, you know, this. anyway. And so, so you're, Oh, I forgot where I was going, but basically it's, uh, um, yeah, it's 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 just something else, and you, yeah. Sorry, I forgot. No, the, no, the no, motivation, okay. right? So the motivation to kind of continue, right? So I, I'm assuming yeah. at that point there was a part of you that understood that this was going to be a historical event. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, certainly the strangest. I mean, you know, I'm I'm so I'm I'm at now at the uh, uh, the inauguration day stand has been invaded. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's still under construction. I've read that it had just been paint. They just finished painting it. And it's all mm -hmm. the scaffolding and, and I'd been there, I'd been in the space, you know, almost four years before when I was, um, you know, at Donald Trump's inauguration. So, so it was very strange, surreal being in this, you know, this rarefied historic space where, you know, known for stately pomp and circumstance and, and, you know, decorum and dignitaries, you right. know, and, and I'd been here when, when, you know, Trump had put his 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 hand on the Lincoln Bible and pledged to defend the Constitution and um, and and you know and but also spoke of and warned about you know societal doom and gloom and and American carnage mm -hmm. and and it was a really dark speech and well here I am in this space again for the first time since and he this this man's literally manifested. American carnage. I mean, I just, it was just, you know, but I didn't know, they still didn't know it was deadly. I saw fighting, but I just thought it was stupid. You yeah. know, it's just like, this is ridiculous. What is, you know, and, and everyone around me is, uh, they're, they're just psyched. They're, 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 I heard it a million times that day where, where they're like, God, this is the best day of my life. This is one for the history books. We're making right. history 17 and, you know, in the, yeah. in the lineage of 1776. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I, okay. So I'm going to ask this question, but I also don't want to put you in a difficult legal position. So please feel free to disregard it altogether. Uh, so, okay. The kind of understanding now is that Trump incited the insurrection and then obviously people like Alex Jones are also given some responsibility or credit for it as well. But I mean, in terms of what you saw, was anybody actively looking at tweets and saying, okay, we should do this or we should do that? Yeah. Okay. They were, they were, they were very spurred by, you know, during lunchtime, they, you know, in their huddles while they're eating tacos and hot dogs, they were, you know, they were listening to Trump, the live stream of the speech. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so his, 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 his tweets were making a difference on the ground right there. I mean, I personally, I didn't have my cell reception and data was terrible. Uh, mm -hmm. Cause I mean, it's like being at a musical music fest that, you know, you're in the middle of a mob where everyone's on their phone. And so I didn't have any, I, you know, everyone at home watching you guys, everyone watching knew more than I did on the ground, much wow. more than I did. And so um, but yeah, people are, people are reading this and, you know, for example, at two 30, when he tweeted that Mike Pence was a, uh, you know, a coward and should have done more, um, you know, that's what, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're right there with him and they're chanting, hang Mike Pence. Wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what was it? 
What was it like when, for example, when you're seeing those people, for example, the people who helped you up after you were attacked the second time, right? Who were like, oh, I'm even apologizing for the people who attacked you. What's it like to have seen them still kind of go with the crowd or even make that decision still? Like, they're like, whoa, what's going on here? Like, I just kind of came here to just kind of show up and give support, just kind of like a like a morale sort of a boost thing as opposed to actually taking physical action especially on the level that they took yeah it's a good question yeah so yeah yeah so there's there's a lot of people you know who the militants i think you know i've heard they call these these other trump supporters the normies mm -hmm. you know and their job was to corral the normies and then rile them up it was it was much how, much like how the fascists in the 1930s fomented mob violence. You know, basically, the Proud Boys aren't wearing their identifiable colors. They're they're you known for their their black and yellow Fred Perry polos that they mm -hmm. wear and such. And they weren't dressed in that today. They were they were in you know incognito as they as one of their leaders put it. And um, but that said, they did have a, a, a lot of them had orange neon orange. Uh, stocking caps on and so they could they could kind of identify each other more discreetly and that day they you know they got the, they got these otherwise normal people to to participate and follow their lead and and they just kind of went with the flow uh and you know and uh, you know and the proud boys were in, involved in every one of the eight breaches of the building the interior of the building that day you know and that's that's a new york times um that's their research and work that they've done that I, you know, that's how I know that. And, and, but, you know, I, yeah, anyway, so you have these people who are, you know, a lot of people are, you know, they, they see me and they don't, they're not, they're not making out that I'm, I'm not on their team, mm -hmm. uh, so to speak. And so they're, they're, you know, I had a man who was, you know, making sure I didn't fall off the retaining wall and, you know, kind of, uh, on, on encircling the inauguration day stage. And, um, I, uh, and then I had people, you know, there, there, it was a very windy day. And so there were caustic chemicals throughout, you know, all over in the breeze and, and, you know, uh, chemical irritants had infiltrated the air everywhere. And, and I, you know, I actually felt a little smug that, you know, I had an N95 and could breathe just fine, but that said, I didn't have any protection for my eyes. And so my eyes were irritated. So people helped me out with water and eye drops. Uh, they had repurposed the, uh, the, the barricades as ladders up the retaining wall. And, you know, and they're helping people get up because they needed more people at the front lines. You know, people would get compromised uh, by tear gas or such, and they'd fall back. And then you'd have another wave of men. And there, you know, you have people yelling, hold the line and another round of fresh patriots, you know. And it was, wow. it was very organized and very, and the camaraderie was off the charts. You know, it was just basically a, a huge sense of these people were like, we're saving them, we're saving our country, you right. know, and, and they genuinely believe this, you know, well, along with all the, you know, I don't think there was a, I think they were all, I think the vast majority of them subscribed to QAnon. I heard conspiracies that I had, you know, I'm pretty engaged in this stuff and I heard conspiracy theories I've never, I wasn't even familiar with at the time. Oh, any examples? Uh, you know, I, I was because of my my I didn't have that much familiarity at the time. I mm -hmm. don't recall that. I don't recall them very well. It was just like, what the you know, this is bonkers, you know, so I, I'm sorry to say it's it's not it's not fresh in my mind, but it was like, what, you know, and 
what are you talking about? You know, like, holy moly. I mean, they, they were convinced, you know, a lot of us cell reception was bad. And so for one, they, they were convinced that big tech was, was censoring them, was silencing them and wouldn't let them online because, because of who they were. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting when we think about kind of the conspiracy aspect of it. So we had Michael Shermer on, who's, I mean, the expert on conspiracy theorists, I would say on the show a couple of months ago. And so we talked about, especially QAnon, and we talked about how kind of there's a, there's a sort of an intersection between sort of the fear that people have of just the world and mistrust and paranoia, and obviously how they interpret that in specific events. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the kind of understanding here is like the deep state is pretty much an understanding of the world as being unsafe. And, you know, sort of these authority figures don't have my best interests at heart. And, you know, Know, kind of whatever else that obviously goes into that. I don't want to get into this too much. Obviously, you know, for the audience, you guys are welcome to kind of watch the show that we do with Shermer. But my thinking here is that it's 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 kind of really hard to dislike these people because when you hear them talk, it's also understandable that these are this is severe mental illness, man. And this is how severe mental yeah. illness manifests. Like these people are first of all genuinely scared, and then second of all, they literally believe that they're saving the world. It's like you know, if you thought okay, you know, their motivations were selfish, you would think, oh, okay, like they're just assholes. And they're kind of rationalizing or whatever, but it doesn't, I mean, maybe that is happening, but it doesn't really seem like that's what they're doing. They genuinely believe they're doing not only something historically great for their community, but also historically good for the country. And so, you know, you kind of look at this and you go, oh my God, man, if I could just maybe talk to you for like a couple of hours, maybe we could find a way to resolve this. You know, I used to, I used to hope that, but yeah, yeah, they, 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 they are, they see them, they fashion themselves as freedom fighters. Yeah. And, and uh, they're sick. And, you know, when I started making photos documenting MAGA movement uh, and the rise of, you know, this right-wing extremism in this country and Trump, you know, and I, uh, you know, I thought I would be I, I, my intentions well, were closer to making photos of these people I, I totally, uh, I'm not aligned with, but, but I kept saying to myself, you know, and, and from what I was seeing at these rallies, people are people are people, you know, and they're, and they're very, I've met a lot of nice people and, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, who view themselves as good, decent people, you know, people, citizens, and, mm -hmm. And so my photos, I like, you know, I really, my favorite images were the ones where maybe people on different ends of the spectrum, you know, we could, could kind of see them and maybe have a little empathy for them, for them and a little kind of see where they're coming from a little better, you know, understand them a little better. And, and from what I found is these pictures in my pictures, people see we all see what we want to see or we're, that's what we're doing at least, you know, basically these photos that were meant to be kind of a, to bridge that divide do the opposite because people project their own views onto my images. Yeah. And so, whereas so if you have a picture of a Trump rally, uh, you, you know, the, the crowd watching, you know, one, one end of the spectrum, they'll be like, well, we got people participating in the democratic process, you know, involving themselves and their families for the, for the good of of their community and 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 the other end will see you know the other side will see well look at that toxic americana and that just this just cesspool of uh of bigotry and racism and and toxic masculinity and then all the things you know and and so you know and and as i've continued going to these these rallies, um, it's just getting worse and worse, and the rhetoric gets worse. And and Trump is 
stoking their fears. He's he's that's his game. And so basically it's just I see the you know, these people on January 6th as as they're just gone. And it doesn't matter what we say to them or what we show them or what, you know, you know, how many of my pictures we show them, they're not going to change their minds. Um, Even just the word insurrection is triggering to them. And that that was the inspiration for me doing this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one day of photos versus the whole political era, which I hope to get to hopefully someday, uh, sooner than later. But basically, uh, my my then partner's father, uh, you know, he she had warned me when I was meeting her parents, don't talk politics and redirect him when he tries to, because mm-hmm. he will try to challenge you all day. And I and I did a great job until dinner time, and we're at an Italian restaurant. And and he mentioned the insurrection and how it was a Fed surrection or whatever you you name it, mm-hmm. and and I uh, and I said, hey man, I was there. I, I was at the insurrection. I took photos, and he immediately lost it. His voice boomed, and he's like, what insurrection? <laughs> like, and the whole uh, restaurant it was a pa- it was packed, and it, they're wow. all looking in our direction. And that was from then on, it was on. I was, oh, you know, boy. basically the whole wait staff I could see in my periphery were all nodding. You know, we're in Seattle. They're all nodding whenever I say something. And then he's he's blowing up and, and emotional. And and the person he is, ha- I, I pick up the tab, we leave. And and it just evolves from there. And it may not have helped my relationship, uh, but it definitely, uh, uh, you know, uh, solidified my resolve to to make this book and to make something that hey people need to see this i have photos you know i have i have evidence you know and and just look do these 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 does this look like 20 year old black block leftists no this is or <laughs> what these are these are 30 to 60 year old middle-aged white yeah. people uh who, who with beards and and aviators and and you know all the stereotypes and 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 they're yeah they're they're uh they're out to save their country yeah i mean michael Shermer would agree with you he would pretty much say like yeah there though that subsection which is i mean relatively small i guess you know if you want to compare it to the i guess the mass population but like those people are lost right they're kind of lost causes the people that you're actually pretty much target targeting in terms of evidence you know factual sort of type thinking critical thinking is the probably the people who helped you up um yeah yeah the people mm, he, who might you know and and just kind of the the few people in the Trump administration stuff who who did resign and did take a stand and, and the Liz Cheney's and the Adam Kinzinger's, you know, the people who I don't agree with on on anything, I don't mm-hmm. believe. But uh, but but I, I do. I do. I do believe they have integrity and and um, and people who, you know, I have I have. Yeah, I, I uh, yeah, just want it's little by little. It does make an impact and and uh um, but I don't know. I hope it, I guess I, I hope it makes an impact on those people, but, um, most of the people who are buying, you know, all the people buying my book obviously know what really happened that day. Uh, but I like the fact that they're showing their friends and say, and, and they're giving people a way to tangibly experience that event in ways they haven't yet. You know, we, we've been, you know, we've seen the, the same wire images over and over with stories online and we've seen footage and it's just chaos. And so my, I set out to, I wanted to, I wanted to not only kind of show my experience from a firsthand account, you know, a firsthand account of that day. Um, but also, um, I, I spent months just 
just researching and filling my head with every everything I could, lots of Atlantic articles, you know, and just kind of reading all I could. So I, I would get the facts right. And it, this could be a true and honest accounting because in my captions, I state, you know, I'm saying, okay, I'm seeing this, this is what's in front of my lens, but also this is happening, you know, not in front of my lens, you know, elsewhere. And so I'm progressing the timeline and basically synthesizing lots of information into a digestible account. You know, it, much the way uh, the 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 J, J6 committee did, uh, you know, which their work was masterful. I mean, and break and making sense of just a lot of different plot points and aspects. And and so I, I'm trying I'm trying to use the book as a as a teacher, you know, a, a, not only a first draft of history, but something that can that people can kind of start to grasp how this day went, because a lot of people, you know, it's hard for them to engage with that with that day. I mean. Um, I feel like the insurrection guy. I'm always talking about it, and, and I love opportunities like this to expound upon it. But a lot of times, my daily life, I'm not really able to have discussions about it because people, we've been under so much duress for all these years. I mean, Donald Trump's been punching us through the Overton window for daily for years, yeah. Yeah. and people are tired and they're in survival mode, and and they don't want to talk about that, and so it's it's hard to. Uh, so try to do it in a way that they can uh, kind of, you know, I used each image as like a, oh, you know, to, to contextualize a different part of that day. Like one image, it's of the three percenters. Well, who are the three percenters? A lot of people can't answer that question, you know. And and what is QAnon? Same, same, you know. And and so and so I use different pictures in the in the narrative, time-stamped images to say, okay, this is what this is who this is. And these are what these people believe and so on and so forth. And, and aspects of that day that I haven't seen in the mainstream uh, media, I, I thought for sure later in that day when they were chanting, when Ash, after Ashley Babbitt, the Air Force veteran was shot inside um, by security, taking a stand, you know, for once that day, they, um, uh, the crowd, the mob outside raised their arms and, and, started in you know chanting a an eric garner tribute you know oh i can't breathe they're (laughs) out there chanting i can't breathe and Mm -hmm. and their their goal and a lot of this is always to antagonize the libs and and it's just it was bizarre and and then right after that i'm hearing from loudspeakers which i don't know where the loudspeakers are but i'm hearing Mm -hmm. queens we will rock you Mm -hmm. booming blaring you know around this inauguration day stage and it was just the most surreal thing. And I, and I, you know, I wish I, I I'm, I'm just, I'm just basically really, you know, taken with uh, still photography and that's what I'm out to do. But I thought for sure I'd see footage of this and I haven't seen that yet, you know, and, and, um, and so I should have done video and I meant to wear a GoPro that day. Uh, but, uh, you know, for safety reasons, if anything, uh, but I, I, I screwed up and forgot my memory card for it. Mm. So, so man, I, I'm really regretful there. Cause that footage would be, you know, it'd be worth a lot, yeah. you know, just, yeah. just to have not, I'm not talking monetarily necessarily even. No, for sure. It, but honestly, I mean, the fact that that video footage doesn't exist. I mean, wouldn't you say that the fact that you were able to capture it in photography has in- incredible value anyway, as because there's things that video cameras can capture for sure you get you get an idea of the context of the events but sometimes kind of like what you said like sometimes people will look at a photograph and two people will see different things right they'll capture different meaning from it right 
And that might not necessarily be a good thing. That could be like a double-edged sword, right? But from another perspective, it's also like, it, it tells like a, this this whole story. It's it's kind of like uh, kind of like when you read a book, you don't have the images, but you might put images onto what it is that you're reading. I don't and, know. And it also gives you time to think about too, as opposed to video. I mean, you're going to watch a 10 second clip and you're probably going to move on. Whereas if you're looking at a photo, especially there was one a really great one that you had. Um, So it was one of the more vulnerable ones where the guy was looking down and he looked kind of sullen. And yeah, it made you, it makes you like kind of sit back for a couple of minutes and think about like, first of all, what's going on through this guy's head and what the hell just happened? Yeah, it's yeah. weird. It's the attention. It's, it's different. It's a different quality of attention, right? Like when you're watching a video they almost it's almost telling you what to look at but when you're looking at a photo you almost ha are working with it and trying to work out what's going on yeah i understand I yeah you get to you get to you get to experience it you know at your leisure you know and at your pace and and it basically yeah books are i found that you know it boggles my mind that this is the the first and and today as, as far as my knowledge and i've looked far and wide the only book of photojournalism of that day mm -hmm. um, out that's available. And, and that's, that's bonkers to me that, that, you know, the Washington post with all their incredible Pulitzer prize, you know, uh, uh, you know, reporting um, could have easily, you know, manifested a book or something and they've done incredible interactive, uh, uh, you know, <clears throat> interactive pieces online, but, but basically, it's like uh, for whatever reason, and there and there's a lot of potential reasons, but no one, no one with the means decided to do this book. So it's crazy. It's astonishing to me that this guy from Seattle is so the only one who thought to do it, you know. Yeah. And and it's like, what is going on here? Because I think, and what I found with the first run of the book, the soft cover that came out in July or in September. Um, it sold out within mm -hmm. my network through word of mouth, over 600 books, mm -hmm. and it's not a cheap book. And so what I found was people really do have a desire to have something they can just sit with and, you know, even as hard as it is and, and then show their friends, you know, and, and make change that way. And so I, I, yeah, I, it's just strange to me. And so that, you know, I've photographed over 300 of these things. And the first book is just one day of images. Mm. Um, I mean, that day was just on a whole nother level of, 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 of out there. Right. Um, right. What would, oh, sorry, my, my bad. Uh, well, what would you say is the most uh, maybe impactful photo that, that you took uh, at least most impactful to you? Yeah. Good question. Um, great question. Um, uh, the photos that, you know, I think the sense of, uh, you know, it's hard to name one, uh, there's 124 right. images in the book, um, um, from start to finish, you know, I was there with the militants from the start, but I think, um, you know, the first image that stuck out to me was the one where this guy next to me, when it was all starting around 1 13 PM, um, basically thought I was taking pictures for the cause and he, he stuck his, he, he did a one, you know, stuck his middle finger up as a one finger salute, uh, mm -hmm. facing the Capitol. And I have this image of this, you know, a lot of people mistook the, the finger, the hand and the finger is mine, mm. uh, obviously not. So sometimes it delivers the wrong message. Yeah. It did seem like that. It did seem like that. It was yours. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's mm -hmm. this man named, his name was Steven Fender. I have a quote with him next to the, next to the photo, but he's, He's that's how these people felt that day. And so that's representative of, of that afternoon for me. 
um you know it's and then uh and then other photos that stand out are the you know the 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 immediacy of the danger of when the guy attacked me that when i was attacked the second time and he's pointing into my lens mm -hmm. you know and just the, this guy with an american a ball cap with an american flag on it and the striped red and white striped bandana around his face uh, obscuring his face um i think the immediacy of the danger i think that's hit affected people i think the, the there's a photo of from like 1255 when it's all starting and the crowd you know not all of whom are militants many of them are not are there's a shock on this woman's face and i think that's that's the, the first image that grabs uh i've noticed grabs a lot of people because she just looks in shock like what is happening yeah. and then there's and then there's a photo you mentioned where this man he's draped in a flag he's been he's been he's been hit with uh you know, pepper spray or something. And he's reeling. I mean, basically it looks like he's sitting there sobbing or crying, but and he probably is crying, but not, not, you know, but, but because he's been, he's, he's been compromised. He's been, um, and so he's, you know, it's this really kind of humanizing moment. It's kind of like a, as Michael Rowe in the introduction describes like a, it's Goya-esque, you know, and yeah. it's kind of composition. It's strangely, grotesquely beautiful um to me and that that photo that you mentioned that's that's probably my favorite image but it's not one that i have noticed a lot of people gravitate to yeah th that was the one that actually struck out that stuck out to me the most yeah which struck me the most and and of course the other other i think probably the most in the end years from now the most iconic image that i got frame that i got was around uh uh what 507 when when I'm standing from the crow's nest media scaffolding at the center of the scene, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd kind of, my hands were so numb. So I had army crawled up the, the blurry photo, right? What's that? The blurry photo, right? It's not blurry. No, not oh, this okay. one. No, mm -hmm. no, there's one. Yeah. And there's one blurry photo that shows the kind of mayhem, you know, yeah. the experience of, of flashbangs going off and everything. But basically, no, this is a photo near the end of the day. Once the police have taken, you know, Virginia State Police reinforcements had, had arrived and they were t finally going on the offensive. And um, and I just got the whole scene with the Capitol Dome in it, dome in it and, and pepper spray and, and tear gas smoke everywhere. And and kind of uh, it just it's chaos. And 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 that photo, I think, in the end will be, you know, because. I know a lot of brave photojournalists who are right there at the battle for the tunnel on the inaugural platform and where police, you know, they, they didn't know the building had been breached otherwise. And they were, they were, that was the, you know, the Capitol's last stand. They were, they were, they were, they, for all they knew, they were the only one in between the interior and, and, and these thousands of people outside. And that's where Daniel Hodges, my, who wrote my forward. Uh, that's where he, you know, he was in the viral video being, crushed in the doorways and and uh and so that was the worst of the fighting happened i mean it was medieval combat in there i mean people ask me oh did you see any weapons and i tell them well gosh i saw people using anything and everything was a weapon that day mm -hmm. i mean they were they were incorporated yeah you just pieces from the construction site uh you know i saw a lot of bear mace visible on their tech you know and stuff but basically uh, you name it they, it was a weapon you know that could be used to hurt somebody and and so uh uh yeah and the police at the same time i've never seen it you know i'm from seattle where confrontations between uh demonstrators and police have been really well when i'm at a when i'm at a protest here in the pacific northwest 
you got leftists, you got the right wingers, and you got the authorities. And mostly I'm most fearful of the authorities because they're the mm -hmm. ones with weapons that can kill you. And, mm -hmm. and they and they're known to target tor journalists. You know, I've had I have a 74 year old friend who's a Vietnam vet who likes to go and, and record with his camera and an older man who's who's, uh, you know, one of the one day he was shot four times. You know, when you're shot four times, that's no accident. They're targeting yeah. you. And mm -hmm. so but on this day, um, this day, you know, in Portland, too, you know, I've been to stuff in Portland, too, which is off, uh, you know, yeah. off the wall. That, that's that's another level. Yeah, that's something completely different. Yeah. And so and here today, it was here today at this, you know, the the, the police law enforcement had their kid gloves on. Mm -hmm. They uh, they weren't prepared and they and they yeah, they they didn't even have riot shields. No. you know was, so yeah was there oh so yeah was there a point where you thought oh my god is this ever gonna end you know i was i was kind of <laughs> well when i climbed that scaffolding once once finally authorities went on the offensive i um you know my phone for the first time all day started pinging with uh because i was up high i guess mm -hmm. but it started pinging with the uh, news alerts and concerned texts and so i had a stranger take a photo of me and i, I posed i took a moment for myself from the from the you know bog of sea creatures below mm -hmm. and, or swamp creatures excuse me <laughs> <laughs> you, you gotta, gotta drain gotta dig here and there because there was this one i have this image of this woman holding this sign up she's yelling and it's the signs drains the swamp Mm -hmm. And it's like, woman, you are the swamp, like, mm -hmm. holy, holy. And so I, um, uh, but I took a moment to myself to kind of gather myself, but here, you know, I'm dehydrated there, you know, I haven't eaten all, you know, I've only had a hot dog for hours, um, and on your feet in the cold and these chemicals in the air and kind of, kind of looking, you know, looking over your shoulder all day. And mm -hmm. so I didn't, I wasn't, you know, it looked, appeared it was about to end, but I was there for the duration, but you know, and this is around when police took the offensive, it was, it went on the offensive, it was around close to five o'clock. Uh, it really died down by 6.30 p.m. Mm -hmm. and it was dark and I had a several mile walk to my friend's place. And I, I had a night ahead of me of editing these photos to, for, to you know, to turn them around uh, for Rolling Stone to publish the next day. Mm -hmm. And so I, that was kind of, I, the, I mm -hmm. had a lot more to go. And so I knew, I knew going into this that, you know, I was, I was in for an all nighter and stuff because my images, a lot of the images you see from that day are gently toned color images, technically brilliant. Um, you know, my colleagues, you know, in the industry are very good at what they do, but what I, but as a freelancer who doesn't primarily work as a photojournalist, it's my job to make images I haven't seen before and, and to put my stamp on them, you know, style aesthetically. And that's why mm -hmm. mine compared to most you'll see are are you know overprocessed? You know they're black and white, which strips the color and lets you really see this. You know the 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 people, what's happening in these. It's less distracting, in my opinion. Um, but also, uh, these, uh, you know, I, I I they're very stark and and high contrast. And so, and, and my you know, it's my job to make pictures that that are different than all the rest that are out there. And I and I think it. You know, if you put if you put a ton of images from that day on a wall um you'll be able to tell which ones are mine and mm -hmm. that's the point yeah and so i want to ask a, wait do you want to um i'm sure but no go ahead, All right. go ahead. so i want to ask so from one of our frequent guests our homie liz derval so i want to ask a question from her so liz asks from what you witnessed on january 6th did it fundamentally change your beliefs about american society and the stability of our institutions 
uh, you know, after after Hillary Clinton's election night loss uh, years before, that was the first. That was a time I've just ever experienced shock like that. I've I I was confident she would win, things would be okay, and I and I um I didn't do my job that night. I wasn't equipped for that shot to for that shock, and so I felt like how can I photo you know I felt like exploitive photographing people going through it um you know crying when i was one of them mm-hmm. you know and so it was just so it took days to you know i got goosebumps just talking about it just now and basically so i don't know that i'll ever be shocked like that again you know and and if i am shocked like january 6 was shocking i'll be there to do, i'll be able to do my job um and uh that said i after seeing like this and and i think that wasn't the what what scared me about what's to come it was it was the republican party's response to it you know i thought we would have uh, we'd all be in agreement that this is not okay and trump should be impeached and he'd be done for and they might you know maybe circle back to sanity and mm-hmm. and no they've doubled down and and on all the you know misleading false disinformation about that day and and they've just just continued to rile up their base and 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 you know and with what's happened with the supreme court you know it's a judicial coup uh i think things are going to get a lot lot worse before they they might get better um i think uh i i guess my view is i'm not optimistic at all and, and so many of us have been through so much that it's been normalized you know it's like hillary clinton was supposed to uh, supposed to shatter that glass ceiling. Instead, like I said earlier, Trump's punched us through the Overton window every day. And, mm-hmm. and we just can't even see how a lot of people can't even see how bonkers these times are. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Thank you. No, for sure. And I, I guess maybe this will be maybe the last question. Sure. Um, in your opinion, how important is it for photojournalists to be present during historic events like the January 6th uh, ins- insurrection? Well, you know, as, as Officer Hodges says in the forward, um, without us, without uh, photojournalists and documentarians there that that, that afternoon, um, the only there there's a wealth of an abundance of of surveillance footage and, and iPhone footage from that day, but it would all be through the lens of celebration. Yeah. You know, instead of telling this story, it would be it would yeah, and I think that's the big difference between what I was there doing and, and, you know, everyone else with their phones out recording. Um, It's just kind of, uh, you know, a lot of people rail against big media. um, But I really think, you know, photojournalists these days are survivors. Uh, The industry is not in good shape. And if you're doing it, you're not doing it for the money. You're doing it because you have to do it. You're just drawn to it in a way that this is your passion. And, you know, in the 80s, up till the 80s, photographers were rock stars in society and mm-hmm. people knew the na- their names. And yeah, I think almost that- famous, almost famous comes to mind, <laughs> yeah. of course. Yeah. And I, I think that I think that's it's less so now. And so I think um, but I think people, you know, they they rail against this abstract big media and and because they don't they don't trust, you know, the corporations that own the the news and stuff necessarily. And I think. People want something. People know me. They know what I'm, you know, I'm very open about who I am and what I'm about and where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. And my 
photos are honest and I photograph the left the same as I photograph the right. You know, I don't change how I see suddenly, you know, when I go out and sure it's subjective and I have a viewpoint, but I think that's more important than ever because, uh, you know, one side's off the rails and the other, you know, other side's the only thing, you know, in, in between us and that, you know, and, and I think, um, so what I was saying was, um, I think, I think I, uh, God, I, I, I start talking and I lose myself. Well, yeah, so no, I'm with you. I feel like it, it tells the, the real story of what's happening there. It's not like somebody necessarily spinning a narrative, right? Which, which could be easily done. Like a big event like that happens after it happens. I mean, people are going to tell stories of it. They're going to have interpretations, have different interpretations, right? But you get somebody who's actually there taking uh, photos and be able to see what really happened there. Of course, again, back to... It's still objective. I it's mean, still objective. Yeah, yeah we, we went back to that part where, one, you know, two people are going to see one photo, uh, you know, differently, right? Yeah. But still, the idea, it's so important to be there and capture the events, right? Without uh, somebody who has this... Uh, uh, agenda well, yeah, you know, who, who's trying to it's not like it's not like a gotcha moment you know where nate's like oh i'm just like waiting for the perfect moment to strike and that's what i really appreciated about your photos that like there was such a sympathetic touch to them that it didn't seem like you were just waiting for these people to do something stupid like have some sort of blooper and to say oh this is what these people are like see what i told you guys you know we yeah so i love that so i think the idea here is that when you look at your book and you look at the photographs there's no sense that you know nate is coming out there trying to uh even obviously though determined direction is used i i think that's the objective term <laughs> so even though that is the term used i don't think that there's a, a kind of a, a kind of an ulterior motive there to make these people look bad i think there was more of an understanding of what's going on and again even determined direction there is just I, I again i know people are going to disagree with this but it's used objectively because that's legit what it was i'm sorry so no no thank you thank you i think i think you know it's i tell people i like to remind people it's really easy to make anybody look bad with photos it's yeah. easy meaning it's easy to take bad photos a lot of people do it it's like why i have a job yeah <laughs> you know I'm like the national inquirer yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's it's to make unflattering photos and yeah. and when these people say oh which fake news are you with and i you know and i'm like guys i'm just seeing what i see that's just how you look it's just how yeah. you look you know, i'm mm -hmm. not i'm not trying to be Flattering, unflattering, um, you know, and my, you know, I, I'm really love doing this documentary work because uh, I, you know, in, in my day livelihood, my job is to make all my clients look good. And I'm very good at doing that. That's why they come to me. But, but when I'm at these events, I get to see the, get to kind of see what I see and appreciate the art and, and moments that otherwise, um, you know, well, and moments that tell the story. And so, uh, so it's just kind of quite a kind kind of surreal and just weird that we're here talking about this right now. And and I'm I guess I'll be out there. You know, I my dad. You know, I'll get depressed about the times we're living in, and my dad on the phone will remind me, "Hey, Nate, um, you know, well, the, the the effed up silver lining is you'll be there to make photos of it of, <laughs> of all this dysfunction around yeah, us." So I love, I love that. And so just before we wrap up, I have to ask, what was it like working with Obama and Biden? Yeah. So I, I, I uh, so when I was a photographer, uh, it was, it was fall of 2013 
and I had, I had, you know, I was a, on my business cards, I had drag queens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a drag queen photographer. I was known as uh, people called me Seattle's gay photographer, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, straight guy from Indiana. And mm-hmm. so, because I was, I was so often, I was the photograph hundred event, hundreds of events. And I was so often only the per, the only person in the room with a camera at the, mm-hmm. and it was mine, all this, this colorful cast of, it was like a pride procession of characters, you know, every day, mm-hmm. every night. And so I, so I was a drag queen photographer, but I, 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 I dedicated myself to documenting the marriage equality movement here in Washington state. And so people who appreciated my efforts with that, um, connected me with the DNC and, um, you know, I got an email one night, I'd come back from the bear bar, um, you know, inebriated and, and, uh, basically at 3 AM, I checked my email and it's an email saying, Hey, um, someone referred us to you if if you want to be our guy photographing president obama in one week the gig is yours wow. and so that was my first time wearing a suit and it was a uh, it was me and uh, two dozen ceos and and tribal leaders uh in a small room and uh it was just you know they'd each paid sixteen thousand dollars a pop to be there and here all Whoa. of a sudden i'm in a suit for the first time uh and i get to move around and and obama you know it was during the government shutdown in 2013 and so he looked exhausted and he had, a, he literally had his hand in his face and I'd never seen images of him doing that. And I have a really good one, but anyway, um, he, yeah, they're, they're asking him like, what do you want you, what do you want your legacy to be? And so on and so forth. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he knows you support him. You just gave him all this money. Mm-hmm. Ask him something. He can handle it. Ask him about <laughs> drone strikes or ask him about, um you know there's so much we could you know guantanamo closing guantanamo and so yeah. much and he won't take it personally obviously and and so it was it was rather the questions were not great but it was what an experience and at the end he 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 didn't like you know he was tired and then at the end they wanted me to take a picture of him and the caterers and he just perked up you know <laughs> was smiling huge you know because real people you know and and that who, who didn't know if didn't expect to get a photo with him you know it was just kind of of the of the host to to think of them you know and 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 so basically and i people told me well you need to get a ask him for a photo if you're able and so i he said sir can can i get a photo too and he <laughs> looks at me and he just fucking lights up <laughs> and he lights up and he you know grinning ear to ear and he's like first i'm gonna make you look good and so I walk, the world walks behind me and my camera strap had messed up my jacket and he fixes my collar wow. and and takes a photo of me and it's just like what a i don't know it just made for a memorable experience and and then after that you know someone has to see my photos and my camera uh my camera memory card had glitched and so it it said error no photos oh man and i'm thinking oh my gosh Oh my gosh, I've lost my photos. And and luckily I was able to software recovery worked and I'll never understand it, but all my cards, I don't know if it's some secret service thing or what, mm-hmm. this is my own conspiracy theory, but all my cards that I took to that event, all my CF <laughs> cards did not work after that. Wow. They were all corrupted. And I was like, and I only used one card. And so it's like, yeah, I'll forever be confused about what happened. That. <laughs> okay. Wow, anyway, man. that, Yeah. <laughs> You know, with speaking speaking of <laughs> so, tech issues, I, we've actually we had the new the New York City mayor on and lost the entire episode. 
Lost it. It was just gone. We, yeah, literally gone. Imagine now texting. Oh, yeah. yeah, imagine now texting. That was actually like, my fault. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Imagine texting his deputy and saying like, "Hey, I know we just interviewed the mayor and whatnot, but like, yeah, the episode is gone." She was. Like, yeah. You know what? Just for fun, yeah, I'll tell you. So here's what happened. We just get finished Zoom, just like that. No, it was, it was using another. Yeah. Okay. It's done. Leon goes to this couch, lays down, relaxes, and he's like. That was a pretty good episode, right? I'm like, yeah, it's great, great. And I'm looking through my computer, literally have my hand on the mouse, looking at the screen over here. And then I'm going to the file. And then I already see the file size is smaller than it should be. So I'm like, okay, no, whatever. Okay, double click it, start to play it. It's just the first 30 seconds of us introing him. Oh my God. No, not even 30 seconds. It's just a minute of yeah. being like, oh, I'm so happy to be on your podcast. This is great. Yeah. And it was actually like a 30 minute interview that did not get recorded at yeah. all. Yeah. And it was a good interview. It was so fun to do it. He was like, hey, guys. I bet it I was. was. It's like, oh, it's the mayor. It's the mayor. I'm like, oh, the mayor. Was, <laughs> thank you so much. But thankfully for him, like for us, I mean, but thankfully, you know, for having him, um, he actually redid the interview with us. And actually, the second oh, time good. around, yeah, it was much yeah. better the second time around. So this was actually like a month before the Black Lives Matter protests, like after George Floyd. Um, so literally, as so the conversation was really fun, but it was like pretty lighthearted. And then as soon as he came back after the BLM protests, like that conversation was stellar, way better than the first one. Oh, oh, good. Oh, because oh, COVID. You know, and yeah. and and I know we're ready to wrap up, but basically, I didn't mention how these photos were all my photos from January sixth were almost lost. Wow. I um Whoa. I actually two days later I was I was just fatigued and tired and I was at Union Station and I was um I was talking to my father on the phone. We we're real close and and then I realized I was late for my train to you know to Baltimore to catch my flight out to see back to Seattle. And um I got up without my backpack and and my and my backpack had had my my computer and my hard drives and my cameras camera in there and mm. and Basically, I got back. I rushed back. It'd been two, three minutes and it was gone. Wow. And so basically there were the 25 medium res JPEGs that had been sent to Rolling Stone and published. But otherwise, the rest, these these would have been all lost. And so long story short, um, I, well, that was the real trauma for me. I mean, a lot of people have very real traumas from January 6th. And I, I don't I don't you know, I'm still processing, yeah. obviously. And but I don't I don't. No, the trauma for me was losing my images. I would have given an arm or a leg to get them back in that moment. And I was I was devastated. Most historic thing I've ever witnessed and, and gone and the end of my book. Um, and so basically, um, uh, two days later, an, an acquaintance uh, on, on social media tracked it down to the online marketplace, um, offer up the website offer up when I wasn't even I didn't even know that existed. And he found my camera. It was a banged up. It looked like it had been to war because I'm I'm pretty hard on it. And most like is a pristine. And and long story short, um, the Amtrak police were very, very, uh, very, very above and beyond helpful. Um, and but the trick was had to lure the the mm -hmm. thieves back to the scene of the crime because Amtrak police only have jurisdiction on Amtrak wow. property. And so luckily they answered. And I I I threw a hail mary and said, hey. You know, these this, that's actually my camera that you have, and it's not worth anything because it's banged up, and you're not gonna you're not gonna make any, but it's worth a lot to me, and more importantly, the photos. And so I got them on the phone, and they were they were basically very manipulative. I didn't dislike them, but very like oh, 
praise be to God that he brought us together and that we can extort, you know, and that was mm -hmm. the quote, but then, you know, the, the not part of the quote was so we can extort you for $2,000. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and so, and, and come to come together and help each other. And, and so anyway, my friend, I'd left DC already. My friend, um, he, 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 well, police helped him uh, arrange a safe and successful sting operation. And basically he met with them and all my stuff was recovered four days later. And you, you know how it goes usually when, as you know, uh, musicians or artists or photographers get their gear stolen, it's, it's a needle in the haystack. It's yeah. gone. And so anyway, so that was the, that was the, uh, that was just a really, uh, that's was, incredible. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And like, wow, such a, such a great end point. Like, holy shit, man. What a st the story that almost never was. So, all right, Alan, before we wrap up, any final questions for Nate? Oh, yes. Uh, so if we wanted to follow you, follow your work and, and of course, buy the book, uh, where could we do that? Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for asking. It's, it's listen on Amazon, but I don't, I don't like to help out Amazon more than I have to. And, mm -hmm. and I'll tell you their backend's been the most miserable online experience I've ever had their mm -hmm. backend for vendors. And so I encourage people to go right to my website at www.nategowdy, N-A-T-E-G-O-W-Y.com uh, and buy it directly from the author. Um, uh, the books are literally being bound as we speak. Um, so they're being finished up printer uh, in New Jersey and they'll ship uh, they'll ship hopefully sooner or later this month in January and so I have a six by eight edition a nine by eleven edition uh, so a smaller one which I prefer the cute little edition but a lot of people obviously gravitate toward the large format coffee table book and so uh, so yeah thanks for asking and and this is a you know it's it's scary to me uh, doing something like this because this this was a way to finally you know hopefully support this work I'm so into doing and and so I can do more of it and make it you know and monetize it and and because I've been doing it you know self-assigned and self-funded for years mm -hmm. you know and so this was a way to you know curate that as some, something tangible and and I and I hope it's a model for many more books um because I certainly got the images and uh it's it's uh uh well it's scary I, I you know, printing I've printed 1500 these books and, and and they're selling but but I got I got a lot more books to sell so tell all your friends <laughs> no and I'm oh, assuming yeah. that those photos will end up in textbooks in the future so that's going to be great for you I, I I have no doubt I have uh yeah yeah they're all the uh the muse, uh, museum of fine arts Houston have, has already bought a copy of the book and and uh, and they're on it and but yeah it'll it'll be interesting it's always interesting to kind of see how these images are incorporated yeah after yeah. this they, first draft of history thank you so much for coming on thank man so much, this was man. such a great story man and just such an exhilarating episode <laughs> hey yeah i really 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 appreciate meeting you guys and, and i'll and i'll keep listening i uh i i keep doing what you're doing i uh i really enjoyed listening to what i have so far and and uh and really yeah thankful for meeting you so thank you absolutely we're happy to know you too man i'll talk to you Thanks, soon man take care okay yep yep all right See you. All right. That was awesome. <clears throat> so everyone, if you'd like to follow us, you can follow us at Seize the Moment Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. We're at Seize underscore podcast. Like, subscribe, hit, hit the, the bell, bell on, on YouTube. YouTube. And again, thank you so much for watching and see you next time.